So we spend nine minutes of a 131-minute movie actually at Christmas. Welcome to the Pop Culture Tournaments Podcast, where we discuss and debate past results as well as entries in upcoming tournaments hosted in the Facebook group Pop Culture Tournaments. Pop Culture Tournaments is where you can vote on the best of the best of pop culture in tournaments set up in the style of the NCAA basketball tournament. And now, here are your hosts, Patrick Despain, Rob Matthews, and Bruce Slat Beach. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Tournaments. I'm Rob. I'm Patrick. I'm Slat, and uh, today we are joined by a very special guest. You know, we've had a tradition here on the podcast of having some great guests. We've had Don Jameson from that metal show, Butch Patrick from the Munsters. Last time we were joined by actor, comedian, game designer, Grant Lyon. I'm sorry to say the streak of great guests ends today as we are joined by the host of another bourbon podcast and a guest seater on the upcoming Christmas holiday tournament, Dan Schmidt. Dan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Doing great. Sitting here, sipping on some bourbon on a Sunday, uh, Saturday afternoon, just loving life. Thanks for having and, me on the show, guys. Glad you're here, I, man. I would like to tell everybody that the reason Dan is on here, and Rob, you can uh, appreciate this. Uh, Dan and I had a side bet on the Raiders-Broncos game, which the Raiders won. So as Dan's prize, he gets to be a member of our, our podcast today. Uh, Rob was on the wrong end of one of those bets a few years back, and had to post a video of himself singing Rocky Mountain High on Facebook. <laughs> you know, I like to think think of myself as a uh, younger, more handsome slat with better grammar and better taste in sports teams. That's uh, that's what I like to consider myself. Better, better written grammar. <laughs> that, that's true. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair point. <laughs> I, will, I will concede my written grammar has a lot to be desired, though I will put my verbal skills up against anybody. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> and if Siri ever catches up, you'll be good on both. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're going to be taking a look back at our greatest board game tournament that just wrapped up on Wednesday. And we'll analyze the first round of the much-anticipated Greatest Christmas or Holiday Movie Tournament. And that kicks off this Monday, December 14th. So first, let's take a look back at the Greatest Board Game. Uh, my question for you is, was this the most chalk tournament we've held so far? The top four seeds advanced out of the first round in three of the regionals. And in the fourth regional, the five, Yahtzee, beat the four, Pictionary, Yahtzee then went on to uh, beat the top-seeded The Game of Life before bouncing the second-seeded Battleship to advance to the final four. So our final four consisted of three number one seeds and the number five Yahtzee. The final two games of the tournament were great battles with the third-place game being decided by only 17 votes and the championship going right down to the wire with the champion being decided by a margin of only one single vote. The final results of the greatest board game tournament were in fourth place, Yahtzee. Third place was Clue. The runner-up was Trivial Pursuit. And the champion of the greatest board game tournament was Monopoly. Fellas, what did you think? Patrick? Uh, it was pretty much chalk the whole way through. The one thing that did surprise me is Yahtzee. It's a great game, don't get me wrong. But it, beating Battleship and the Game of Life to get there, I mean, that's an epic run. Uh, but that was the biggest surprise for me. Slap. I had a couple surprises here. I was surprised how poorly Risk did. I thought Risk would make a little better run. Uh, actually, when we got to the final four, I was kind of rooting for Yahtzee 
because I thought it would be ironic that a winner of the greatest board game tournament would not contain a board, uh, but that, that didn't come to be. I was also, uh, as predicted by Grant Lyon on our last podcast, the Bengals effect kind of took place with the eventual champion Monopoly. Uh, I, I think we should have a poll question next week. Uh, which is worse, the Bengals or Monopoly? Because we have a, a portion of our group that does not like either. <laughs> uh, Dan, do you have any thoughts on the greatest board game tournament? Yeah, I mean, as much as I really honestly hate to do this, I actually have to agree with Slat here. I thought that Risk was going to be a much much stronger competitor here, uh, it, and it wasn't. Um, I was a little bit disappointed that Monopoly ended up being the number one overall. I get it. It's a beloved game. Uh, pop culture is, I mean, it's a huge pop culture board game. Um, but between the the top two, I would have gone with Trivial Pursuit. But yeah, I, I really thought Risk would have performed better. Well, Risk is a game that if you played it, you love it. But not as many people have played Risk as have played Life or Sorry or Trouble or Monopoly or Battleship. So I think that's what hurt it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, you're no, exactly you're right. right. Yeah. And uh, Monopoly, it made me think of um, Slat, like you were uh, with the 80s songs and Journey, where um, I don't know how many people feel like Monopoly is actually their favorite game. But you had to acknowledge, like Dan just said, you had to acknowledge its place in pop culture. And, and so I didn't feel bad about it being a number one. It, it feels like it is the number one, but it, I don't know if I saw anybody comment the, the entire run that said, we love Monopoly. Our family plays Monopoly all the time. I have great memories about Monopoly. Like nobody said that, but it did very well in every round. In every round, it got tons of votes. So it's just an odd, it was an odd number one. Yeah, I don't think people have a problem. Well, obviously, people did have a problem with it. But Some people did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, it won. It should Like, when Pac-Man won the greatest video game tournament, yeah, it probably should have. Is it anybody's favorite video game? Probably not. You, right. I think Monopoly is the same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're at a family gathering and you want to start a fight, you know, start talking politics or break out the Monopoly game. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's how that goes. Yeah, I think I, I might have mentioned on the last podcast that if you go into our uh, storage room uh, to the game where the games are, we have five or six different versions of Monopoly, and we rarely play it. A little shout out to my wife, uh, who we play Star Wars Monopoly, and every time she's Darth Vader, and every single turn when she rolls, when she moves Darth Vader, she has to breathe and make the sound effect and take an extra long time getting to where she's going. <laughs> Just like an adds, it adds a new layer of annoyance to so, the game. So what you need to do then is play as somebody else. And then every time you move, play the Django Fett seismic charge sound, <laughs> which you can find on YouTube. Cause that's the greatest star Wars sound of all time. Well, no, the next time we never play that game. Yeah, which will be never, but I mean, right. that's, that's your idea. If you, if you do someday break, break it out, that will be the sound you can use. Well, if we're ever in a pandemic and we have to stay home and, oh, no, wait. That's, yeah, that'll never happen. Yeah, right. That's, right. No. Too crazy. Nah. nah. All right. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, our next tournament, which starts this coming Monday, December 14th, is the greatest Christmas or holiday movie tournament. 
We should note here that we decided to narrow the field of possible entries and focus on Christmas or holiday movies that had a theatrical debut. So there are only movies that started in movie theaters. We will save the TV movies and specials for next year. That will be a juggernaut unto itself. So many iconic entries. This one too though has some real heavyweights. So all that being said, it's time to set the field and reveal the first round matchups. The regionals in this tournament were named after the city in which the top seeded movie in that regional was set. Except we had two that primarily took place in New York City. So we went with the secondary setting for that one, the, for one of them, which was the North Pole. But first up we have the Chicago regional and I will run through all eight matchups of the regional and then we can um, comment on any of the matchups that, that stand out. So first up, we've got the 15 seed One Magic Christmas is playing the number two, The Polar Express. The 10 seed Eight Crazy Nights is playing number seven, Prancer. Number 11, Trading Places is up against number six, Bells of St. Mary's. The 14 seed, The Family Stone is playing number three, White Christmas. 13th seeded Mixed Nuts is up against number four, Love Actually. The 12th seeded I'll Be Home for Christmas <laughs> is playing number five, Jack Frost. And for that one, I will, I will just butt in here and say that we had two Jack Frosts in our um, initial considerations and we were distinguishing between Keaton and horror, but the horror movie did not make the field. So it's just simply Jack Frost in our, in our tournament. And this, then we have one where another instance that we couldn't make this happen if we tried, number nine, A Christmas Carol from 1984 up against the number eight, A Christmas Carol from 1951. And the 16th seeded Deck the Halls rounds out the regional by playing the number one, Home Alone. Dan, what do you think? Uh, I mean, in this region, I think that, the, that it broke down exactly the way it should, right? Like there's none of these that I... I, I don't expect there to be any upsets except for maybe number eight versus number nine. Um, but I mean, in, in reality, the 1951 A Christmas Carol is way better than the 84 Christmas Carol. So I, I don't think that that should be an upset either. Um, I, I think that once you get to the uh, second or third round here, there might be a couple surprises. Like for me personally, Love Actually is probably my favorite all-time Christmas movie. I just love the way the... Um, the movie the the way the story unfolds um all of these separate stories they like they seem completely separate but they come together in the end uh to make for one individual story i think that, that it's just a solid movie um and i'm not that big of a christmas guy if you will so i don't care about the santa claus and the snow and all, all that kind of stuff it, that that doesn't affect me one way or another um but i do think that probably number one will end up being home alone or the polar express two phenomenal movies patrick i totally agree with daniel the top four are iconic um everything else is pretty much fodder for the most part i don't see anything like he said making any kind of run I will say that when we get to the final four, it will probably be one, two, three, and four, unless the group proves me wrong like normal. <laughs> and Home Alone will probably win, like he said. But Love actually has a lot of backing with people. People, I've seen that movie. It's really, really good. It's a great movie. And it, it, may, it might make a run here. It, it may take down Home Alone. I doubt it, but it's got a chance. Slap. Yeah, I've never even seen Mixed Nuts. So, but I'm still voting for it over Love Actually, assuming it's a real Christmas movie. Um, 
I, I'm surprised nobody is pointing out that, that I think trading places has a first round upset there over the Bells of St. Mary. Uh, even though the Bells of St. Mary, a much better Christmas movie and trading places is perhaps uh, one of those. I, I've created a new term here, Christmas adjacent movie. That's exactly what trading places is. Uh, but I think it has a chance to win though. I don't, I think white Christmas probably beats it in the next round. I, I, I agree with Dan and Patrick. It comes down to home alone and the polar express in this regional. Yeah, I think this is one of our more top-heavy tournaments. You've got uh, the top four seeds in each regional really are are really strong, uh, and each could you could make an argument for each one. And then once you get past the top four, maybe five in each, um, it's it's a bunch of so you could put those in any order and have the same tournament probably. But I agree with Slat. Uh, trading places is going to be Bells of St. Mary's simply because. Um, I would guess out of the 1,500 plus people in the group, maybe three have seen Bells of St. Mary's, just guessing. <laughs> I mean, it's just a matter of being familiar with the movies and uh, it suffers a little more than some of the older, some of the movies that are also older where you've seen those on reruns on TV or on VHS or whatever at home. Bells of St. Mary's is not um, played that much. So I think Trading Places will, will move on from there. Looking good, Billy Ray. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to. Gets that? Come on. <laughs> Feeling good, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, we'll move on to the North Pole Regional. This is the one that was uh, another New York City setting, but we went North Pole. Uh, first game is the number 15, While You Were Sleeping, up against number two, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Number 10, Meet Me in St. Louis, is playing the number seven, Miracle on 34th Street from 1994. 11th seeded, The Family Man, is playing number six, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. The 14th seeded, Edward Scissorhands, is up against number three, Scrooge. The 13th seeded, Fred Claus, is playing number four, Bad Santa. Number 12, The Nutcracker Prince, up against number five, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Number nine is Christmas with the Cranks, and it's playing the number eight, Arthur Christmas. And the 16th seated, The Great Rupert, is up against number one, Elf. Slat. So the number two seed in this region, I was not part of the seating committee. Is that the animated version? That's the one with Jim Carrey. That's the one with Jim Carrey. And, it's, and that's the two seed. That is the two seed. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. Well, you can see how top heavy this is. No, I'm saying, I'm saying I'm surprised it's that high. Well, look at the, what's below the Jim it. Carrey, the Jim Carrey version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. People still like that. I mean, it's not great, but people like it. So despite the fact that it has Taylor Munson as uh, a Cindy Lou Who, a St. Louis native, uh, Elf dominates this reason, in my opinion. Elf would have been my overall number, number two seed in the tournament had I been on the seating committee. I think it hands it's this region elf gives it a beat down of colossal proportion for the nice. whole region. Well, if it was your number two, I mean, uh, overall it's the number three. So we, we were right on there. Dan, any thoughts? I, I, again, I think I, I have to agree with slat here. I think that uh, elf is just going to be a juggernaut in this uh uh, in this regional, I am interested to see how the Tim Burton movies play out here. Um, you know, they're 
they're different Christmas movies, but they are actually solid Christmas movies, right? Like, um, there, Christmas is a major theme in both Edward Scissorhands and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I don't know that either one of them are going to compete, um, but I am just interested to see how it plays out. Patrick? No, I totally agree with both of you guys. Elf is unstoppable here. I will say one thing, though. The Family Man, if you've never seen that, that is a really good movie that was turned on. I was turned on to by a high school uh, classmate uh, with Nicolas Cage and Taylor Leone. It's, it's a great movie. You should see that immediately. Yeah, and, be, and before we leave this region, I would like to also note, if you're using the slat definition of Christmas movies, what the hell is while you were sleeping doing in this tournament? <laughs> that, that, that is one of those movies that happens to be set at Christmas that has absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. Oh, well, it gets better as we go, slat. Just okay. hold on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I promise you, it gets a lot better. Yeah, there's two I'm still waiting to see. I'm sure I will. Yep. You this will. could be, I just realized this could be the last episode that, that Slat is ever on. He might have a heart attack when we announce some of these future regions. Yeah, there's a good chance. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's coming. All right. Uh, moving on to the New York City Regional. First up is 15th seated Bad Santa 2 playing the number two it's a wonderful life here we go <laughs> yep <laughs> and the hits just keep on coming number 10 home alone 2 up against number seven disney's a christmas carol the 11th seated the santa claus 2 is playing number six babes in toyland 14th seated silent night is up against number three the santa claus 13th seated all i want for christmas is playing number four gremlins of course it is <laughs> <laughs> Number 12, I just love, I love all the little side comments. It's so great. Number 12, Four Christmases is up against number five, Holiday Inn. Number nine, The Holiday is playing number eight, Christmas in Connecticut. And the final matchup in the New York City Regional sees the number 16 seated It Happened on Fifth Avenue, playing the number one, Miracle on 34th Street from 1947. Patrick, what do you think? Well, looking at the bottom of the bracket, and this is just going to make Slat cringe, but Gremlins has a chance to win the, to go to the final of this of this particular regional, going up against Four Christmases, Holiday Inn, The Holiday, Christmas in Connecticut. It happened on Fifth Avenue and Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street from nineteen forty seven, which not a lot of people have seen, I'm sure. It it might it might make it to the final of this regional. Oh, Gremlins? Yes. Is it my turn to talk, Rob? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Go. Oh, you know, the Natalie Wood version of Miracle on 34th Street uh, is going to beat Gremlins. That, that's, that's without a doubt. But the, one, the, the biggest problem I have in this region is It's a Wonderful Life being called the Christmas movie. Now, I've done extensive and, – and thank God for USA Network, who just this morning ran It's a Wonderful Life. So I had an opportunity to watch it again, and I've made some notes here on It's a Wonderful Life. Awesome. It's Looking a, forward it's to a it. Wonderful, it's a Wonderful Life runs for 131 minutes. Okay, the first four minutes are set on Christmas Eve. We then leave Christmas for 123 minutes. We take a two-hour break from being at Christmas. We then come back for the last five minutes on Christmas again. 
So we spend nine minutes of a 131-minute movie actually at Christmas. While we're away from Christmas, we're exposed to, let me see where I wrote this down, we're exposed to suicide, a child's death, a man refusing to give a woman back her clothes, a world war, uh, a child being beaten while his ear bleeds, all these traditional Christmas themes throughout the movie, yet we got it as a, not only do we have it called a Christmas movie, we have it called the number two seed in this region. I disagree. Do you? <laughs> I barely noticed. Right. <laughs> that was epic. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, that was, that alone was worth everything we've done so far. Oh. <clears throat> What's it going up against? I got to call the bracket back up. I had to go to my, it's a wonderful light. No, That's that. Santa too. Yep. Oh, geez. At least it's a Christmas movie. There is such a bad. There is such a thing as a bad Christmas movie. So now my choice is going to be as a voter: do I vote for an actual Christmas movie, even though it sucks, or vote for something that's really a pretty good movie, but it's not a Christmas movie? Th thank you, seating committee, for putting me in this dilemma. <laughs> well, you had oh. to see it coming. Um, you knew it was going to be on the list. Right now, this is our third regional, correct? This is the yes. third. Okay. Yep. Okay, so now my head's going to explode. I know what's coming in the fourth regional, and you know it's going to make my head explode because you know my favorite is going to have to go up against it at some point in that regional probably. Yeah. Before we get to that, Dan, did you have any thoughts on the New York, <clears throat> the New York City regional? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I really thought that the one that Slat would be throwing the biggest of it about is in this region, and that's Four Christmases. Um, now, not that it's a great movie, but – I thought Slat would have had it in his top five overall for two reasons. Reese Witherspoon. That alone, I thought, would have pushed it to Slat's way high top of the list. And it coming in at number 12 in this region, I thought he'd be mad about that. Um, for those that don't know, I think well, Slat. To be, to be honest with you, Dan, I got distracted by It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and so all my anger got vented in that direction instead of having to battle for my girl Reese. <laughs> yeah, I thought that I thought that that would be high on your list of pet peeves for this round. Uh, no, but in in reality, I think that um, the the movie that in this region might be a pretty solid, and I'm not even going to call it a sleeper because it is number three, but the Santa Claus I think has a very very solid chance of taking this region. Um, for the younger viewers, the I, I, I hate to call them this, but the more modern, you know, like it, Miracle on 34th Street, it's a wonderful classic Christmas movie. Um, but a more modern take on it is The Santa Claus. And it's just, a, it's a great movie. It's a great family movie. Uh, and it's a true, honest to goodness, solid Christmas movie. So I think it's got a solid chance of taking this region. I agree. And it's a lot of fun. That movie, it is that, that movie's so much fun. Never gets old. You can nope. watch it multiple times in the same Christmas season. And, and you know, speaking of Reese Witherspoon, did you see where LSU had some some recruiting problems because that o Odell Beckham was you know throwing hundred dollar bills at their players during the national championship game last year? Yeah. So you know, LSU, who I think has won two games this year, has decided to self-impose a sanction, hoping the NCAA won't step in. So they're going to prohibit themselves from playing in a bowl game this year. 
Remember, they have two wins. Okay, that's like me doing something wrong and telling the judge, as my punishment, I will not have sex with Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck. SMU tried that back in 1988 and didn't really work out for them. Yeah. <laughs> of course, they kept doing it, but. All right, here we go. In our yeah. house, uh, well, I'll just throw a few comments out about the New York City Regional before we move on. Uh, in our house, the the top movie that gets played in the Christmas um, in the, at Christmas time in December is It's a Wonderful Life. It's my wife's favorite movie. Uh, and, and it's the only time of year that we watch it is during Christmas time. Uh, close behind that one is A Miracle on, 40, on 34th Street from 1947. And that is probably my favorite movie out of, out of this region. But um, there I think we see the two schools of thought where the, these movies that don't fit into Slat's definition of movies that are where Christmas is a central character in the movie or it's about Christmas. Um, I think then the other definition that some people are looking at with some of these is movies that we associate with Christmas or movies that we associate with, with our Christmas, with our time and what we do at Christmas. So um, I, th I think that's where It's a Wonderful Life fits in for, uh, for us, for our family. So while the movie is admittedly not about Christmas, it is when we watch it and so we associate it with Christmas therefore making it a Christmas movie in, in our minds. So that's. Well, sure. I, I don't hate It's a Wonderful Life. Right, right. And, and I, don't, I don't care if people want to watch it every year around the holidays. That doesn't make it a Christmas movie. That's all I'm saying. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. Not disagreeing with that whatsoever. You know, if I only eat uh, saltwater taffy at Thanksgiving and don't do it the rest of the year, that doesn't make saltwater taffy a Thanksgiving food. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, I don't disagree, <clears throat> but th that is, but I think that that explains what people are, are, are doing with, and you'll, that's why you see these movies on all kinds of favorite Christmas movie lists is different definitions of what makes a Christmas movie. Although I don't disagree with yours at all. I think it's perfectly legit. Now, before you move on, Rob, let me tell you, had I been on the seating committee, yeah, I, my number one overall seed I would have probably pulled a shock. Nobody would have believed I would have done this. Would have been a Christmas story. No. My number two overall seed would have been Elf, if I've already mentioned. This is where I'm going to find a lot of interesting in this next region. My number three overall seed would have been National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which I have not seen yet. So that means it's going to be in the same region with, I'm assuming, it made the tournament. It's going to be in the same region with the Christmas story <laughs> and, and something else that is going to cause a whole lot of havoc in this next region. And I'm also assuming that the way we're revealing the regions, a Christmas story was the overall number one seed of the seeding committees. Well, let's see. Let's find okay. out. Okay. Without giving anything away, <laughs> the final regional is the home in Indiana regional. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at number 15, the Santa Claus 3, the Escape Clause, playing number 2, Die Hard. Number 10, Klaus, is up against number 7, Jingle All the Way. Number 11, A Bad Mom's Christmas, is playing number 6, Santa Claus the Movie. Number 14, Black Christmas, is playing the number 3, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. The next matchup is the number 13 seeded The Ref playing number four, The Muppet Christmas Carol. 
12th seated Krampus is playing number five, The Preacher's Wife. The Grinch is the number nine seed and it is up against number eight, Scrooge. And the final matchup is number 16, Silent Night, Deadly Night, playing number one, A Christmas Story. Dan, what do you think? I think that this region identifies all of the flaws from the seating committee. Nothing against the seating committee, but just the way things worked out. And I think that, that, that this is the region where it's most visible. Like for me, the biggest mistake on the seating committee is the movie, The Grinch. I think the animated movie, The Grinch is way, way, way too low rated. It is a phenomenal movie. And if you haven't seen it, you need to. And you'll see how great of a Christmas movie it is. But then there's just so many heavy hitters in this region. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, A Christmas Story, The Grinch. Um, yeah, Claws. Claws is a phenomenal movie. It's new, so a lot of people I don't think have seen it. And I think that that hurt it in the seating committee as well. Um, but I think that, uh, yeah, the, this, this region right here, it's got some really heavy hitters. I'm interested to see what's gonna, how it's going to play out. I think that Die Hard could, I know it's rated number two, but I think it's got a solid chance at taking this region. There's a bunch of movies that could take the region. But I think that the interesting, about, interesting thing about Die Hard are you have the people who legitimately think of it as a Christmas movie. And then you've got the people who are... Jackasses. Uh, uh, not only not only jackasses, but they're going to vote for it just because they know that there's this like uh, conspiracy, not, not conspiracy. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're contrarian. There yep. you go. They're contrarian. So they might vote for it just to make other people mad like Slack. Um, I think so. I, I think that that's the weird thing about Die Hard here. Um, I think that legitimately A Christmas Story, The Grinch, or National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation should take this region. But I, I mean, I think it's completely up in the air what's going to happen. Patrick? I agree with most of that. I do think that when it comes down to it, that when National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and Die Hard come together, I think that our voters will vote for the real Christmas movie and send Vacation on. It's so quotable. They both are. But Christmas Vacation is one of the best Christmas movies ever made. But having said that, that and A Christmas Story is, you know, that's Apollo Creed and Rocky II. That's an epic battle. Absolutely. And before we get to Slat, um, I'll just piggyback on your, on your thought there. And I really think that Christmas Vacation is A Christmas Story's saving grace in this regional. I think if it wasn't there... And we had the number two diehard going up against number one, A Christmas Story. In the end, <laughs> A Christmas Story might be in some trouble just because there is that contrarian vote. And we've, if we've seen anything over the last several years, there's people um, will just, they'll just have opinions that are the opposite for the sake of having the opposite opinion. And so no matter what logic you bring into the conversation, if they know that they should go one way, they're going to go the other way just to be contrarian and so but i think that when you get up against christmas vacation and i think that you're exactly right patrick i think that people that will be the one that knocks out die hard clearing the path for a christmas story because i think a christmas story would uh, probably be christmas vacation so that's my prediction slat what do you think all right for now that we have all 64 teams revealed 
and I didn't see it in the show notes. I'm going to go ahead and do my staff selection here. So since we've included movies like uh, While You Were Sleeping and uh, Trading Places and other Christmas-adjacent movies, um, I think that there were some other Christmas-adjacent movies that should have been in the field, such as uh, Mean Girls or uh, A Princess Bride. I don't even know if those two were considered. I wasn't on the seating committee, but those are far better Christmas-adjacent <laughs> movies than the, the crap that got into the tournament. Secondly, National, I thought the seating committee way underseated National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You guys have already discussed it. That, that should be a Final Four movie. It should have been a number one seed in its own regional. Now we get to the conundrum that is Die Hard, a movie that came out in 1989. And until 2013, not a soul on the face of the planet thought it was a Christmas movie. And then Entertainment Weekly wrote an article with somebody just trying to be a woke person, make a point, be a contrarian, and said it was a Christmas movie. And that's when all the memes and everybody's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be on the side of Die Hard as a Christmas movie. Let's examine Die Hard. In the entire movie, it mentions the word Christmas only 18 times. It has the F word used 31 times. I'm thinking it may be more of an F word movie than a Christmas movie. There's only 21 Christmas images in the movie Die Hard. Okay, let's look at Christmas movies, actual Christmas movies, and their marketing slogans. All right, the Krampuses, you better watch out. Elf, this holiday, discover the inner elf. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Yule Crack Up. Yule spelled U-Y-U-L-E. Get it? It's Yule Log, okay? <laughs> yeah. Home Alone, when the McAllisters went on holiday, they forgot one minor detail. Kevin, okay? Let's see, was Die Hard a Christmas movie? Let's look at its taglines. 40 stories of sheer adventure. 12 terrorists, one cop. The odds are against John McClure. That's just the way he likes it. High above the city of L.A., a team of terrorists has seized the building. An off-duty cop hiding somewhere inside. He's alone, tired, and the only chance anyone has. Not one mention of the holiday, Christmas, Yule, Santa, Hanukkah, nothing. It's not a holiday movie. And if you look at the poster, not one single mention of Christmas or Christmas imagery on the poster till the makers of Die Hard 24 or 5 years after it's released, okay, 24 years after some idiot at Entertainment Weekly said it was a Christmas movie when they did their 25th anniversary, they stuck a dang Christmas wreath on the 25th anniversary box. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Now I got to go back to the bracket. Who's it vo- who's it going up against in the first round? Santa Claus 3. Okay. You've done it again. Okay. So- Martin Short didn't do it for you? You know, it's, it's, it, I may actually have to treat this one like I treated the last presidential election to vote for neither of those and then deal with it in the second round. <laughs> but uh, obviously, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Die Hard. I, I love Die Hard. I saw it in 1989 when it came out. I saw it in the theaters. I left the theaters thinking, what a great movie. What was not in my mind was what a great Christmas movie. You know, maybe because it was released in July. I don't know. Any other thoughts on Die Hard? Anyone want to? No, no. Let's on move there? on from Die Hard. We've we've known this was coming for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> and he's right; it's not a Christmas movie, but it's fun so, to watch at Christmas if you want to. Oh, absolutely! And I already have once, and probably will again. I I love Die Hard, and and um and I love to needle slat on just just poke the bear. And every once in a while and, and watch them roar. And that's, it's a lot of fun. Before you wrap it up, just a couple of things uh, on a more serious note. 
Uh, a big thank you to uh, Brian O'Neill, who helped us out as a guest seater in our board game tournament. Uh, Brian won our costume contest that we had in the group, and his prize was he got to be a seater in the, uh, the board game tournament. So thank you for Brian. And uh, Dan, thanks for hopping in and joining us today. And we asked the same question of every guest, so we're going to ask it of you. What are your thoughts on the Bengals? Uh, you know, I'm 42 years old. Um, the Bengals were, like, not very – like, I didn't really give a damn about them. They were kind of like old music whenever I was coming up. So uh, couldn't really care less about them, to be honest with you. I, now, the, the songs of theirs that I've heard, yeah, it's pretty decent, but nothing I particularly like. I would never buy one of their albums. Yeah, you're about four or five years too young to be – in the era of remembering them when they were still releasing music. Yeah. And you know, so I'm a huge music fan, love music. Um, I was super psyched to be on the, uh, the, the drummer, um, the, the best drummers ever seating committee. Uh, y'all let, well, not you three, but the, the voters let me down huge. You do not respect Danny Carey anywhere nearly enough. Totally Um, agree. we had yeah. this conversation via email and uh, on Facebook, actually, Daniel and I did about yeah. how great Danny Carey is. And people just went, I knew it was going to come down to Bonham and, and Pert. I just knew it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's same. And it, look, they are phenomenal drummers. But if we're being honest here, Danny Carey is better than either one of them. Sure. Anyway. Um, so in any case, um, as I was growing up, I did get into some older music, such as uh, The Who. The Who is one of my very favorite bands of all time. Um, uh, I like The Misfits. I like a lot of the old punk bands, but I didn't like them until I was like 14 or 15 and looking back. And the Bengals never made it onto that list of bands that I look back on. So the Bengals, meh, they're all right. You like them, good for you. If you don't like them, uh, I don't care. That's cool. In other words, they don't move your needle one way or the other. Not a bit. Yet you're somehow a member of the pop culture tournament group. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm the oddity. I know that. (laughs) Well, Rob, before we move on, I do want to do one staff selection because there's a movie that I've seen that is one of the funniest Christmas movies. And it's not even in the top 64, which is a shame because we have Silent Night, Deadly Night, The Santa Claus 3. I mean... Bad Santa tragic. 2. Those are tragic. Yeah. And it's Office Christmas Party with Jason Bateman. It's absolutely hilarious. One of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. And neither of, I, none of you have seen it. No. Oh, no. my goodness. You, you're doing yourself a disservice by not watching that movie. It sounds stupid, but it's really funny. And when did that – do you know when down. it came out? Uh, 2017, 16, somewhere in there. Oh. It's a couple, three or four years okay. old. Well, I'll tell you, there was a, for most of my life, if, if um, Jason Bateman would not have been a reason for me to watch anything, but within the last few years, holy cow, dude is doing some incredible work that like, I love him in several things now. So um, I will absolutely jot that one down and make sure that I watch it because he's just, he's really moved on to my um, my list as far as people that I really enjoy the work that they're doing lately. So totally jot that down. Well, I just looked it up. It came out in 2016. It has Jennifer Aniston, Jason Bateman, Olivia Munn, TJ Miller, Kate oh. McKinnon, and Courtney B. Vance. You had, you know, you I had. think I have seen that. Oh. Now that I think about it, I think I have seen that. And I do remember it fondly. 
Yeah, uh, it's, but it's I, great. I mean, it's rated it R again. So it's, you know, it's an adult Christmas movie, but it's hilarious. It's awesome. Totally watching that one. Dan, did you have, did you have one that didn't make the field that you thought should? Did I miss it I, or did you want I didn't, honestly. Okay. Like, yeah. like the ones that didn't make the field, if I were to remember, remembered Office Christmas Party, I probably would have been on board with Patrick. Um, but the honestly, like my biggest issue was actually just that the animated movie, The Grinch, ended up as a regional number nine. I think that that's a tragedy. That is a excellent, excellent movie. No, you're right. Because back before cable, when you knew that was mm-hmm. going to come on on December 20th or whatever day in a TV guide, I mean, that was appointment television because yep. we didn't have VCRs. Right. We had to be in front of the TV. And that was one of the ones that and Rudolph and, you know, the year without a Santa Claus and all that, that was appointment television. Yep. So, so the Grinch. That's also not the, no, that's also not the one we're talking about though. Okay. Oh, okay. it's not. No, no, no. Not the TV special, not the classic Boris Karloff one this one is um it was animated but it came out within the last few years in the theaters it's a feature uh, the, film. Uh, the 2018 okay. one yeah there yeah. you go okay yeah. that's that honest that, that's fine too i still uh, every statement i've made holds up for this one as well that right. one is also excellent my son he will watch it in july four times back to back um yeah it's really good yeah, statement statement remains the same, even though we were thinking of different movies. Yeah, same thing except for the appointment television because it's on what Netflix. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I wasn't wrong about the other one. No, no. not at all. And no. <clears throat> that's just a preview of of next year's uh, podcast right before Christmas. All right, slash Die Hard versus Christmas Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> As Slab mentioned, he recused himself from the seating um, just so he could uh, give his opinions on on his Christmas movies. And so he did not see the bracket or the show notes for today until, um, well, I sent them to him right before we started, but he didn't look at them until until now. So that being said, Slat, um, you didn't see the field before, but when we were going there, do you, did you pick up a sleeper, any candidates for slat sleeper for a movie that may not be a favorite, but you think could make a run? Uh, you know, I think maybe trading places, but, but by making a run, it may make it to the sweet 16. Uh, I, I, as Dan and Patrick and you have all mentioned, it's a very top heavy tournament. It's going to come down to the Titans. You yeah. know, it's, it's going to be kind of like the serial mascots. You know, I think we probably, you guys probably scrambled to fill the bottom half of this field because we all knew it was going to come down to Tony the Tiger and Toucan Sam and that crackle pop. I think it's the same way here. Right. Uh, I don't think there's really, I don't think we're going to have a Yahtzee type run in this tournament. I think you're right. Yeah, I agree. There's no George Mason in this thing. Yep. Well, that wraps up today's episode. We hope you'll join us and vote on your favorite Christmas and holiday movies in our Facebook group, Pop Culture Tournaments. You can also follow our podcast page on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to write to the show, you can do so at popculturetournaments at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show, please consider giving us a review and rating on your preferred podcast platform. It will help others find the show, and we'd appreciate it. If you leave a review, we may read it on a future show. Please enjoy the greatest Christmas holiday movie tournament. On behalf of our seating committee and the awesome members of our group, this is Rob. I'm Patrick. I'm Slat. Thanks to Dan Schmidt. Thank you, Dan.
Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next time.